Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of Paws and Perros. I'm your host, Raquel Sid, and today I'm going to be talking about fostering. By the end of this episode, you're going to know exactly what animal fostering is, how it works, the difference between fostering via a rescue and a shelter, and the three things first-time fosters should all know, as well as why I'm personally taking a break and how I'm going to be helping instead. So stay tuned. I'm excited to have your time. This is my first time doing a solo episode and Paz and Perros is going to be a combination of hosts and also myself speaking. And so this is new for me. So bear with me. And I want to also share with you all that I am expecting and I am seven months pregnant now due in February. I'm running out of breath these days. And so if you hear me kind of Speaking a little bit slower or trying to catch my breath, it's because I am. I am. The baby is competing for space in there. We cannot wait to meet her, but the little girl is definitely having me run out of air. On top of that, I actually had COVID last week, which I was so, so incredibly scared because obviously when you're pregnant, you can't take medication. And on top of that, there's not really many medications that you can take when you have COVID. So I was really worried with how it was going to turn out. But Lord and behold, I am well. I The baby is fine. And we're over the worst part. But I got to say, COVID and being pregnant is not cool. I mean, I don't think it's ever cool. But when you're when you are already out of breath, you add in COVID. Wow, it was challenging. I'm very grateful for being able to breathe. So if you're listening, take a deep breath. <laughs> take a deep breath right now. I think we don't realize enough how centering a breath is and just how crucial to life it is, right? So until you're put in a position that you're struggling to breathe. So take a deep breath and let's get right into it. Let's start off with what is fostering? So fostering is taking in a pet until they get adopted. So this could be a dog, a cat, and some places do have guinea pigs as well and other animals for the simplicity's sake. I'm just going to say cats and dogs, but know that you can foster different animals as well. When you foster, you are typically signing up to take care of this pet until they get adopted. However, there are programs and rescues and shelters that do allow you to foster temporarily. And we will talk about some of the reasons why temporary fosters are also important for the sake of what is fostering is Simply that, you are providing food and shelter to a pet until they find their forever home. For those of you that have been following my rescue journey through Instagram, you may have noticed that I haven't posted about a new foster since my phosphorus foster passed away. His name was Captain. Captain, my sweet boy, for those of you who don't know, passed away from degenerative myelopathy. And don't kill me if I'm mispronouncing because... I'm not, I struggle pronouncing that word, but basically it's a degenerative condition. And so he was slowly losing his ability to walk and slowly losing his ability to use the bathroom. So I took care of him knowing that he had this condition and I stayed with him until we had to decide to put him to sleep. And if you're, any of you are curious about being a phosphorus, definitely let me know. Happy to answer any questions about it or have another episode on this, depending on your interest. DM me if you do want to learn more about phosphorus. In June, around Father's Day, actually, we found out that we were expecting a baby. Captain was there and it was really sweet to share that journey with him because when I took the pregnancy test, Captain was home with me and I didn't share with anyone for a couple of hours. I was home alone that day. 
And so I got to really soak in that moment with him and it was really beautiful. And I'll remember it forever. When I think back, I wish I would have recorded it, but I, I didn't. I shall hopefully remember it forever, but it was a very nice memory. Anyways, in finding out that I was pregnant, our life plan changed in the sense that we decided moving would be the best. So we moved upstate. So I'm no longer living in New York City. I, I born and raised in New York City. Now I'm living in upstate New York. We're closer to my mom and we are expecting in February. So all the places that we searched, I filtered by locations that were dog friendly. However, it just seems like, and I guess with a lot of things in life, right? You can't check all the boxes. Nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent. So in the places that we found and that we liked and that worked with what we were looking for, we ended up where we are now, which I love. However, no pets allowed. That's something that was really hard for me, but I realized given our timeline and everything, it was the right move. I had to think about what's another way that I could stay involved during this time that I cannot foster. I also imagined that with a newborn, I would have taken a break because this is my first time being a mom. And so there's a lot that I'm going to be learning along the way. And having a dog and a baby when you're a first time parent, like that sounds like a lot. I think once I have some experience being a parent, I'm sure, and I will be fostering again. But for now, that's the timeline. The way that I'm going to be staying involved in rescue is I am going to have this podcast and then I'm also going to highlight other people's fosters. You'll still be seeing furry friends. This is my way to stay involved because long-term I want to have my own rescue. And so that is the goal. So I wanted to share though with you all because I realized I hadn't touched on like, why am I not posting other fosters? And it's just at the moment we can't, we live in a place and no pets are allowed. Though I'm really hopeful that I can message our landlord and ask if it's okay. But I just want us to see how great tenants we are before I ask away. So stay tuned. Pray for that. When you foster, you typically can foster through a rescue or a shelter. The difference is a rescue is a 100% volunteer-based organization. And they rely on fosters in order to take animals from the shelter. They rely on a network of fosters that are willing to take the animals in until they are placed. With a rescue, the biggest thing you're going to notice is that they don't have a physical location. So they really rely on fosters. With the shelter, it's usually funded by the government and they have staffed employees there that are attending to the dogs and cats and rabbits and guinea pigs that come in. With a shelter, there's a physical location, they have a staff and some shelters have a foster program. Not all of them do. For example, if you live in New York City, ACC, which is in Harlem, unlike East 110th, they have a foster program. So you can foster directly through the shelter. The way that fostering works with a shelter or a rescue is you're still committing to take care of this animal until they find their forever home, or you're letting them know, hey, I can only foster for a month or two, and then they make arrangements to have someone lined up. The main difference is a shelter has a location and a rescue doesn't. So I really stress this because if you foster through a rescue, you want to be very transparent in letting them know, hey, I want to rest, I want to foster, but I am going to go away for a month or I am going back into the office starting in April. So at that point, I might not be able to foster. So if you just let them know ahead of time, they can coordinate. The worst thing you can do is sign up to be a foster with the rescue and then tell them the next day, hey, I'm leaving, you know, I'm going out of state. You need to find someone 
they will take the animals in no matter what. So definitely reach out to the rescue. However, you put them in a difficult situation where now they have to find someone quickly. So if you're just transparent with them from the beginning, that's going to be the most beneficial. Of course, things happen. So if an emergency happens, that's not something you can control. Definitely just within reason, keeping in mind that transparency. That's a difference between fostering with a rescue and a shelter. For me personally, I have fostered through both. So here's what I will say I noticed to be the difference. I mainly foster through Ready for Rescue. They're 100% volunteer organization. If you listen to episode one of Paws and Perros, I actually interviewed the founder and president of Ready for Rescue. So you can learn a little bit more about them. They focus on saving injured and senior dogs from New York City shelters. They pull a lot of dogs from ACC in Harlem in New York City, and then also just in the community, as well as sometimes from the South. My fostering experience with Ready for Rescue, what I find is that they are really dedicated to ensuring that their animal goes to a good home a home that fits the lifestyle of the person who's adopting and then also the personality of the dog. The way they do this is through their application, they check references, and you, let's say you were adopting, you might be like, oh my goodness, why are they asking me all these questions? The reason is the rescue really wants to find a good home for this animal. They become family. Like As a foster, I want my foster pets to go to the best home possible. I don't care if it means that I'm going to stay with this cat or dog longer. I rather that than them go to a home that is just not a good fit. That's what I found with the rescue. They take a little bit more, they have a little bit more time in getting to assess what's going to be a good home or not. When I have fostered with ACC, which is Animal Care Center of New York, because they have to take every single animal that comes in, they are understaffed, they are overpopulated. And so when a dog or cat is getting adopted, I find that the application process is not as thorough as it is with a rescue. And it's not to say ACC doesn't have the animal's best interest, but ACC is forced with the decision of okay, do we take a really long time to approve applications, but then we have to put more pets to sleep because we don't have enough space, we don't have enough volunteers, or do we get this pet adopted out to a home and if they come back, you know, we'll deal with that later. So they're dealing with a lot of things and it's not to say that they're coming from a bad place. But that's what I've noticed to be the difference. When the dog that I fostered through ACC got adopted. His name was Doggo. Gorgeous, gorgeous pit bull. He was the sweetest thing ever. I cannot. He was adorable. During our wedding, I actually had pictures of our foster animals and Doggo was like prime in one of them. He was the sweetest thing ever. But anyways, Doggo was adopted and he went to a good home. When Doggo got adopted, his adopter had to fill out an application and they do have you fill in references. However, in a shelter, you could in theory go today fill out an application, and get approved today. Where with the rescue, it's going to take a little bit more days because they actually will speak to your references before. So it's just a little bit different. They both do their due diligence, but I feel like it's a little more thorough with rescues because they do have the time. Sorry, not to say they have the time. That's not true. They're also understaffed. They're running on 100% volunteers, but they just have a process that's a little bit more intentional is what I've noticed. Another thing is when I fostered through the shelter, the shelter has a vet on site. So If there was anything up with my foster dogs, I was able to bring it to the vet on site with the shelter. With the rescue, they tend to have partnerships with vets. And so they will let you know 
what vets they work with so that you can take your foster pet there. So now, when it comes to fostering, you might ask yourself, well, do I get paid for this? How does it work? Like, let's talk about your money. Okay, so let's talk about that. When you foster, the rescue and the shelter provide you with medical expenses, with food and supplies. You as a foster are expected to provide shelter. So you're providing your home, you're providing patience, love, attention, you're walking the animal. And if it's a cat, you're changing, you're agreeing to change the litter. In theory, those are the only things you are expected to provide. However, I find that most fosters provide food and basic supplies because you start to realize that these shelters and rescues really don't have that many resources. So they will provide you with the equipment. You let them know what you don't have. But what I would honestly recommend if you're able to stack up on basic supplies like a leash, a harness, doggy bags, food. And those are the things that you can provide that aren't as expensive. However, if you want to foster, but you really can't afford buying food and things like that, then let the shelter and the rescue know and they will accommodate you with that. A question I often get asked is, do you get paid as a foster? No, you do not. You are doing this as a volunteer. I can tell you it's one of the most rewarding things, though. I find that that's more payment than a lot of other things can kind of give you or do for you. But that's a separate conversation. With fostering, how long does it take? So with fostering, I would say on average, it takes two weeks to one month to get a pet adopted. But it really depends on how often are you posting them on social media and who you're rescuing through. Do they post a lot on their platforms? With both the rescue and the shelters, they tend to post the animals on petfinder.com. And petfinder is great because you have a lot of people that go on there to find dogs and cats. They filter by location and only rescues and shelters are able to post there. So I recommend if you have any friends that are looking for a pet, that's a great website to check out. Shelters and rescues can post on Pet Finder. In terms of how long it's going to take for your foster to get adopted will really depend on how much exposure. In my experience, it takes usually about like two weeks to a month. Now, it depends on the pet's circumstances. I've had dogs that I don't post right away because they're recovering from surgery or maybe we are trying to figure out the personality a little bit more. They're not available for adoption right away. So it really depends on that. And I find that the more photos and the more you can humanize an animal, then the quicker they're going to get adopted. So what I mean by humanizing them, it's hard to envision an animal in your home If the only pictures you're seeing of this animal are like really low quality photos where the animal looks mad almost and where they can't really see them, the photos you take will really help somebody who's considering adopting. It will really help them visualize what this pet may be like in their home. Because if you take photos of the dog or cat on top of the couch, playing with its toys, doing something cute, that's really going to humanize them and it's going to have them get adopted quicker versus a photo where the cat or dog is like literally looking all grumpy 
all the time. And it's like, well, people really gravitate to the things they can imagine. So that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you're somebody who's not really on social media, you're like, okay, Raquel, I want to foster, but I don't want to be taking photos all the time. Then honestly, I will post on your behalf. I'm happy to. So DM me at Bella Rescues and I will go ahead and post on your behalf. And so no problem there. But that's the biggest thing. It's just how many people can we expose your foster pet to? And that's going to increase the chances of them getting adopted, which is going to decrease how long they stay with you. You may have heard me say at the beginning, phosphorus. And so the foster that I had was a phosphorus. I took him knowing that he was going to remain with me until he passed away. So that's a whole other kind of different type of fostering. And I wouldn't recommend that you take a phosphorus as your first time foster because you might be too sad from it. However, if you're open to it, happy to answer questions there too. But basically when you are a phosphorus, you the timeline will really just depend on the diagnosis that the animal was given. For example, I had a phosphorus named Hayes and Hayes was given three months to live without chemotherapy and he actually lasted 10 months with us. So it took that long and I was fully prepared and we stayed with him until 10 months. And what I mean fully prepared is like, I knew that there could be a chance that he would last longer. With phosphorus, you're not going to really know the timeline because who can really say when someone's going to pass, right? Doctors can only give an estimate. But if you're just fostering a healthy pet, it's going to be until they get adopted and the more you post, the quicker they will be adopted. So the three things that every foster should know are, there's a lot of things, but the three things are goodbye is the goal. Literally as a foster, goodbye is the goal. It's going to be hard saying goodbye. I won't lie about that. It, it will be difficult because you will be surprised at how attached you get to this cat or dog. However, in the grand scheme of things, goodbye is honestly the goal that you want because you are going to be taking part in the journey of this animal going to a forever home, a loving home. When you see this animal thriving in this other home, you're going to see the impact that it has not only on the animal, but the humans that are getting the opportunity to adopt your foster. And all of that would not be possible without you because as a foster, you are allowing this dog or cat to thrive in ways that they cannot at the shelter in a box, right? But you allow the personality of the pet to just shine through and ultimately end up in a home that is most closely related to their personality. And so goodbye is the <laughs> Definitely we'll have an episode on this on how to make it easier. The second thing you should know is that a decompression period is crucial. It is crucial. So what do I mean by that? With a decompression period is when you first take in this animal, you might be tempted to cuddle and invite your friends over and take the dog or cat, take the dog to a, a dog park. But all of those things are just a big, big no. No, 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 no. You want to set this pet up for success. Less is more. So what does that mean? You want to set up a space where this animal can just decompress. Imagine yourself in a new space, right? You go in, perhaps you lived with, let's say you lived with your family your entire life. And one day they drop you off at the shop in another country. I say another country because you can't understand the language. Everyone is saying a lot, doing a lot, touching you all over, and they put you in a little cage. You're like, what did I do, first of all, to deserve this? And second of all, where the heck am I? Like, what is going on? And then when you're in this box, somebody comes in, and by somebody, I mean a foster, and now brings you to a home where you also don't know this person. 
And all of a sudden, this person invites their entire family over to meet you. And everyone's touching you. And some people are throwing toys at you. The other ones are taking it away. Somebody's touching you here, touching your tail. And you're like, wait a minute. I actually have back pain because I fell. But nobody knows. I can't tell you because I don't speak the same language as you. God forbid you go and you bite the person who just touched your leg that was, that has been hurting. And it's kind of like, do you blame the person for doing that? Because you, though they had no idea, they had the best of intentions, you don't speak the same language and you just met. When you foster, you really want to think about this decompression period as a must. So you provide a space where they can be alone, don't over cuddle. You'll have time for that in the weeks to come, but don't go up and cuddle and hug. Don't do that. Just let the animal come to you. Speak in low tones. Have like, I even put classical music like the first day that I have them in the first couple of days. So just create a calming environment. Almost act like they're not there. Like continue watch television and just ignore them, but that's really going to set them up for success and yourself for success. Don't have any guests over for the first two weeks, I would honestly say, because if you are, just keep the dog or cat confined, but it's not the time to introduce them to a ton of people. Like you want to remember the goal is you're really providing a space for them to thrive. The third thing you should know is that every animal is different. Just like every human is different, different personalities. So keep that in mind when you foster Every animal is different. And so that's why the decompression period is important because you're going to get to see all of these different personalities. I have personally fostered over 25 cats and dogs and they've all been different. They've all been wonderful though. In the differences, it's nothing where I am trying to scare you, but just to say that it's not for you to compare or be disappointed if you have one animal that loves to cuddle and the other one just doesn't really like that, right? So they're all different, all different personalities. And I think that's the beauty of it because we're all different. The decompression period is so, so important. You will be tempted to want to do the most, but less is honestly more in the first two weeks of being a foster. All right. Well, thank you for bearing with me. By now, you know exactly the difference between fostering with a rescue and a shelter, how it works, how long it takes, the three things you should know. And if you want to learn more about fostering, stay tuned to another episode of Paws and Perros. Thank you so much for being here. Happy holidays. One of my biggest wishes for you as we wrap up the year is that you have grace with yourself. I think we need more folks to have grace with themselves, to be more lovable towards themselves. And I really wish that for you. There's so much to be grateful for today. As we started this episode, I mentioned one of the things to be grateful about is that you can breathe. So take another deep breath before you start the next activity you're going on to. I'll see you next week. Thank you.